count on one thing The same God that never fails Will not fail me now You won't fail me now In the waiting The same God who's never late Is working all things out He's working all things out Yes, I you high in the lowest valley, yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh, yes, I will for all my days. Oh, Working all things out, you're working all things out. Oh, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy. your name for all my days. Yes. Yes, I will. Welcome. Welcome to Olivet Community Church. We are blessed and honored to have you joining us here today as we lift up the name of Jesus Christ together. Whether you're here in town watching on YouTube or through our website or whether you're across the country or across the globe, what a privilege it is to know that, that Jesus knows no time nor space, right? And we can be together right now, across the globe, across the time uh, distinctions, and we can lift up the name of Jesus. Hey, would you do me a favor as we begin today? Would you um, text your name to 812-457-9509? And if there's some way that we can pray for you or uh, rejoice with you, uh, jot us a note. This is what's going on in my life. Here's how uh, you can walk beside me in these challenging days. And while you're doing that, I would just say another welcome. If you're just visiting with us, if you're dropping in on us from uh, around the globe, uh, we consider you part of our family. 
We're honored and blessed that you're worshiping with us. As we prepare our hearts for worship, I just want to take a moment and share with you a couple of things going on in the life of our congregation. We rejoice today. We're celebrating today Graduation Sunday. We're celebrating the 2020 graduates from North High School, Maddie and Shelby Haynes. You saw pictures of them earlier. You'll get to meet them in person here in just a moment on Zoom, and uh, we just uh, want to say how proud we are of those of you who especially this year, this year, uh, struggled to uh, finish the year, um, had amazing hardship, honestly amazing loss as you were unable to do some of the things that you had so looked forward to. But we rejoice uh, in our high school graduates, we rejoice in some of you who finished college degrees and and uh, graduate degrees as well. Well done. Well done. We, uh, we just are so proud of you and what you've done. Let's take a moment right now. Can we do that? And, and meet Maddie and Shelby Haynes. Join with us. So <laughs> we are here with Maddie and Shelby Haynes, and they just graduated from North High School, the class of 2020. And we're just going to talk to them a little bit about their future plans and um, what they've got going on in their lives. So um, you guys have had a really big year. Can you tell us a little bit about your future plans and what the next couple of years are going to look like for you guys? Okay. Um, I'll be going to Davenport University in Michigan. And I'll also be playing lacrosse up there. Um, I hope to study sport management. I'm not exactly sure where I want, what I want to do with that yet, mm-hmm. but we'll see. Awesome. And I'm planning on going to Ivy Tech and earning my associate, associate's degree, and then I'm um, planning to transfer to USI as a junior at some point. And throughout that, I'm going to be coaching with my lacrosse coach in high school and helping him out. And I'm not really sure what I want to go into yet, so I'm going in undecided yeah. right now. That's okay. You've got time to figure yep. it out. <laughs> That's awesome. So um, obviously this year has been really difficult for you guys between everything going on with your family and now um, just with the latest pandemic issues that you guys have faced. So how has this year been challenging for you guys and how has God provided for you uh, just over the past year? Okay, um, so one of the biggest was probably just being like trying to finish our school year with this whole pandemic and then like the cancellation of our sports and then earlier this year with Riley and I think just throughout all that like with Riley first of all like God's provided with the big support system we had through all of that yeah and all the doctors and medicine that you know got him through that and then with the school He's allowed people to come up with this technology for us to continue communicating with our teachers and things. Mm -hmm. And for sports, me personally, I got the opportunity to continue playing. So it's nice knowing I'll get to play again. But I think it's going to be hard for others, you know. Mm -hmm. I think he's just provided that, like, sense of comfort knowing that I'll get to play again. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, that's it for me. Yeah. Also, just well, the same thing as her, like with Riley, that was just super hard for my family because that's nothing that's ever happened to us before. So he definitely um, provided for us, like she said, throughout all the support system. And it was just cool to see, like, our church family come together and like, the football family and other people from our school just um, step up and help us out. That was really cool to see, and also just how fast we got over um, the whole thing. Um, It was like the smoothest thing possible that he could have went through. And then, um, even though I don't get to play in in college, I don't get to play lacrosse. I'm still going to be coaching, so that kind of gives me some comfort to know that I won't be completely done with it just yet. So yeah, definitely, that's awesome. Um, So. Obviously, your lives are about to change drastically from what you've known for the past 17, 18 years. Um, So what are you most looking forward to as you guys graduate high school and begin your careers and future endeavors? Um, 
Um, I think for me, since especially since I'm going out of state, I think it's just going to be exciting to like have that in like being so independent by myself. And I'm really looking forward to meeting the team and like gaining another family up there and all the new experiences I'll have going somewhere so far like that. Yeah. Well, I'm saying it, obviously, so it's not really going to change that much, but I I really think it's going to bring me closer to my parents just because I am older now, and I think it'll just change, like, the dynamic in the house, and then also with Maddie being gone, I think when she comes back, it'll bring us closer, too, and you're going to miss me, I know you will, but, but yeah, I think it'll, I think somehow it'll bring us closer, so I'm excited for that, and then just excited to make new friends, and see where that goes and just um how I'm going to figure out what path I'm going to take in the future yeah that's awesome well we're all very proud of you guys and excited to see what you guys are going to do in the future um we know that God's got great plans for both of you so um we're really excited and Maddie you have to make sure you come visit us whenever possible it's not that far away um so (laughs) As we finish up, I'm just going to pray for you guys real quick, and then um, we'll move on, okay? All right. Um, Dear God, thank you for your work and provision in Maddie and Shelby's lives, and we are just so grateful uh, for their faithfulness to you, God, and um, how you have provided for them through this uh, very difficult year that they faced, God. And I just pray that as they enter this new chapter in their lives that um, you are just overwhelming them with your peace and love, God, and you continue to comfort them and work through them um, as they are disciples of you, God. And we just ask all these things um, in your son's name. Amen. Amen. We're so proud of you guys. Yes, we are so proud of you. And we do pray God's richest blessing on you and your futures. I know you don't understand this yet, Shelby and Maddie, but it is such a joy for your parents. It is such a joy for your friends and those who have loved you since since you were a wee little child to see uh, God bless you richly as you grow. So um, blessings be with you. I want to take just a moment and also um, just remind you of a couple things. Um, beginning next week, we really want to encourage you, if you're comfortable meeting with other people, to invite a, a few people to your home. Consider having a watch party or joining us for worship. Or if that doesn't particularly work well, that time slot for others, just invite them to come meet with you. We're discovering how important it is to be with other people. And if you can do that safely, if you can do that in a way that, that protects one another and protects others, we just really want to encourage that. And we want to encourage you to use this next month as we, as we prepare to get back together on June 14th. Use this as a time of, of worshiping together, of studying God's word together. And I'm just convinced by the time we get to June 14th, not only will we have survived this time, but we would have actually thrived. God's kingdom would have advanced through us. So we just uh, encourage you, in whatever level you're comfortable Love one another, minister to one another, uh, invite each other into a deeper relationship with Jesus. I wanted to say just a word about the transition that we're in. We had our second big move uh, last week, and and now we're kind of uh, in wrap-up operations. We're putting the final touches on our new facility. We are um, cleaning and wrapping up things at our old facility. And just want to invite you, if you have time, uh, either during the week uh, or especially on Saturdays from 8 to 12 for the next three Saturdays with two. We had one yesterday. Uh, for the next two Saturdays, we're going to invite you to come out and help us um, uh, complete and prepare the facility on, on Oak Hill Road, uh, 5600 Oak Hill Road for our new church friends who will be moving in soon. So thank you if you're able to, uh, to help us out. If you are able to come by midweek, we'd love to have you over here at 1026 Oak Hill Road where we're doing the final touches and preparing for worshiping together again. But we appreciate all your uh, labor and we appreciate all your uh, compassionate concern. Boy, what a, 
privilege it's been to see you loving on one another during this time. And we've had some tremendous prayer requests. We've had uh, some tremendous answers to prayer. And we just rejoice that the God who we worship is faithful. He is worthy of our worship. And, and in this amazing dynamic, he is actually blessed when we worship him. So I invite you to add your voice to mine. We bless you, O oh God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you so much for opening God's word to us today. We appreciate uh, how God speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. I'd like to invite you today to continue with us in our study uh, of the word of God. But over these last weeks, we've been using as a tool to help us think deeply about the truths of God. We've been using as a tool the Apostles' Creed. In the last couple of weeks, especially, we've been focusing on the person of Jesus. We believe 
in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, remember that last week, born of the Virgin Mary. And you know, the story didn't end there. The, the Apostles' Creed continues, suffered under Pontius Pilate. Suffered under Pontius Pilate. I want to invite you to go deep with me today as we open God's word and we invite God to speak to us deeply about suffering. Yes, about suffering. Why is it that that our sisters and brothers over two millennia have prioritized in in this 110-word summary of what we believe about God, what we believe about Jesus, what we believe about the Holy Spirit and and Christ's church, why did they choose to include these words? Suffered under Pontius Pilate. I believe the answer to that question will set you free. I believe that if you will if you'll drink deep of God's word with me today, that, that you will experience an intimacy with God that you might not have ever experienced before. So pray with me, would you? God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it never returns to you void. Thank you, Father, that it addresses every aspect of our followership, every aspect of our discipleship, every aspect of our life in relationship with you and one another. And so, God, open our hearts and minds to your presence. Open our hearts and minds to your word. And, God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Yeah. 
trust of this life are your mercies in disguise. When friends betray us, when darkness seems to wear, we know that pain reminds us hard that this is not, this is Well, I invite you, if you would, would you stand with us? Yeah, stand there in your pajamas in the living room. Stand with us and let's together recite uh, the Apostles' Creed. Can we do that? We believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and of earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, in the holy Christian church, in the communion of saints, in the forgiveness of sins, in the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. God bless you richly as you live out this creed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Mm. Amen. Well, can I tell you, um, gosh, there's been so many men and women who, whose lives have been such a testimony to me of the power of God of the authority of his Christ, of the presence of his Holy Spirit. And some of them have been, have been mentors from afar, people I've read about. Oh, oh, I wish I could spend the time to share with you some of those people across the world, even today, whose lives are speaking to me. I'm thinking today especially about a man who, when I was a high schooler, had a, a big impact on my life. I think I was first drawn to him uh, because he was committed to high schoolers. He was a young life staffer, and, and he discovered that one of the most powerful ways of ministering to the bodies, souls, and spirits of high schoolers was to take them on wilderness adventures. Someone did that for me when I was in high school, and it changed my life. His name was Tim Hansel, and Tim was one of the early forerunners of of wilderness ministries. Uh, Long before uh, Outward Bound and other famous things were going, Tim had discovered that if you just get high schoolers out of their comfort zone and take them out to the mountains, they... uh, 
with the environment where there aren't many distractions. They have an authentic encounter with the Creator, with the living God. But, but Tim um, never did anything halfway. Whether it was football or mountain climbing, Tim always pushed the edges of the envelope. And, and one day when he was doing that, a place that I had gone in my high school group, the Palisades Glaciers in the Sierra Nevada Mountains, he was, um, he was attempting to summit in a, on a glacier and slipped and fell and shattered his back and his vertebrae. And for the next 35 years, 35 years of his life, Tim suffered unbelievable pain, chronic pain. Oh, he could have have just drugged himself to avoid it, but he didn't want to step away from life. And so for 35 years, he endured pain. And that raises... That raises for us big questions, doesn't it? I have to confess that I have not experienced suffering anything like that. I have not experienced suffering like many of you who are even watching right now have experienced. But here in the Apostles' Creed, our brothers and sisters thought it so important for us to understand that Jesus also suffered, right? And so what can we learn through this Apostles' Creed, through God's word about Jesus? What can we learn about suffering? Let me just suggest in these five words, there are two very powerful truths. I'm just going to salute one of them today and dwell on the second one. Um, Two powerful truths about Jesus. First of all, Jesus was a real person, right? He suffered in a historical context under Pontius Pilate. And, and, and for many of us, that's, that's a no-brainer, right? We believe with all our heart that Jesus walked this earth. And the reason I just briefly salute this with you is because many of the people that you encounter, many of the people that you uh, love and want to share Jesus with don't have that fundamental value. They don't necessarily believe that Jesus was a historical person set in time. In our chronos, God intervened and became flesh and dwelt among us. So, so I don't want you to overshoot that and not be aware that many of the people that you share your faith with don't have that same starting uh, point. For many of them, Jesus, the reality of Jesus as a historical person is not a reality. And so, so, um, so here, 2,000 years ago, nearly 2,000 years ago, they wrote, suffered under, and then they named a name, Pontius Pilate. And, and we know Pontius Pilate very well from the historical document we trust, one attested than in, more than any other book or historical document has ever been attested to, the Bible. We know Pontius Pilate from the Bible, but, but for, for most people, there was no other historical record. Nowhere in Judea was there a record, and many people began to believe then that 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 this was just part of some historical fiction, this character that was made up. And this is what I love about God. God asks us to step out in faith. I'm going to ask you even today to step out in faith with something that you can't necessarily see, that you can't necessarily touch. But what I love about God is that that nearly 2,000 years after after the scriptures were written, 1,900 years plus after the scriptures were written, with no other historical attestment, they were excavating one of my favorite places and one of your favorite places uh, if you've ever traveled to Israel. It's Caesarea Maritima. It's Caesarea by the sea, a phenomenal work of, of Herod to honor and bless the emperor and, and, 
as a result, um, when he was building it up, they often in those days reused materials. And as they were excavating, I think it was the um, the, the Colosseum, the, the theater in, in Caesarea uh, Maritima, they overturned a flagstone on the ground. And it turns out that that flagstone had been reused from a previous time and carved in stone on that flagstone, now proven to, to, to have been there that whole time through archaeological uh, testimony, was the name Pontius Pilate procurator of Tiberius. So, so uh, 1,900 years after the scriptures were written, 1,900 years after people began testifying through creeds like the Apostles' Creeds of the historicity of Jesus, then God grants us this little archaeological uh, evidence to say, yes, you can trust my word. And let me just, as we move on to deeper thoughts here, let me just remind you of that. If you are just beginning to get familiar with God's word, it is worthy of your trust. It stands the test of time historically from a human perspective, and, and it reveals the very nature of God from a theological perspective. It is true and trustworthy. So, so don't miss this. They intentionally included those words under Pontius Pilate because Pontius Pilate was a historical figure. And, and, and as you know the story, he caused much suffering in Jesus' life. But God used that suffering in powerful ways. So, so not only do we discover in these brief five words, Jesus was a real person. He suffered uh, under Pontius Pilate in a historical setting. I want to camp now in the balance of our time on this astounding thought that God in the flesh suffered, that Jesus suffered. Now, as we begin to think about suffering, I just want to press pause and say um, suffering is relative, right? I can never judge your suffering by my experience. Uh, and and so if, whether you're suffering emotionally or physically or, or God forbid, some of you spiritually, whether you're, you're feeling forsaken of God, I can't judge that suffering. It's very real to you. I remember, I remember when I was young and, and first uh, falling in love with, with girls and, and, and uh, one of them broke my heart and, and, and not her, but her dad broke my heart. Long story. Um, and I remember sitting on a stool in my drafting class, and I was just completely destroyed. And, and an adult figure in my life came by that drafting table and, and understood what I was going through. And he said something which seemed kind of trite at the time. He said, puppy love is very real to puppies, right? I think he was kind of slamming me. He was saying what you're experiencing is puppy love. But, but what he was testifying is that, that no one else can judge your suffering. No one else knows what you're going through. <laughs> I say that. And the words of the old Negro here, uh, spiritual are coming to me, right? Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows but Jesus. See, Jesus suffered everything that you and I have suffered and are suffering. Jesus knows our suffering. But I want to ask this question. Why did Jesus have to suffer? Did you hear it in those words of Isaiah just a few moments ago? He, he had to suffer to bear our suffering. Surely, 900, 800 years before Jesus, uh, Isaiah wrote, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, right? And, and we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. <laughs> Beautiful words. And, and by his wounds we are healed. He took our suffering upon himself. The scripture also tells us there's another aspect 
to Jesus' suffering. Comes from Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayer and supplication, listen to this, with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Hebrews 5, I think it's 7 and 8. Hebrews 5, 7 and 8. Jesus, having, as we saw a couple of weeks ago, emptied himself, given up his right to his rights. Do you remember that? Given up his right to his rights. uh, Had to learn everything like you and I have to learn. And the author of the book of Hebrews tells us that, that he learned to trust in the Father's perfect plan through his suffering. Through his suffering. So Jesus suffered to bear our suffering so that, yes, we will have temporal suffering, but we will not ever have to suffer what Jesus suffered because he took it upon himself. But he also learned obedience through the things that he suffered. So, so let me flip it then. Um, I asked, why did Jesus have to suffer? Why do we have to suffer then, right? Why do we have to suffer? And, and let's real briefly just say a lot of our suffering that we experience is because of our own, excuse me, dumb choices, right? I make stupid decisions sometimes and I pay consequences for that. I'm not talking about that. Don't be foolish, right? Don't suffer for being stupid. Um, if the suffering that we're talking about here is, is suffering, uh, physical, emotional, and spiritual, that comes because of our faith, that comes because of our trust in God. So, so why does God create a world? We've opened this up before. Why did God create a world where suffering could exist? And if you were not with us in that time, let me just summarize it in a quick paragraph by saying, if God is love and he wants you to experience love, he wants you to choose love, but to genuinely have the opportunity to choose love, we've discovered together, you have to have the opportunity to choose, and I've always called it not love, right? To, to choose not to love. And if God is love, to choose not love then is to sin against God, right? Against the one who we celebrated a couple of weeks ago who created us and formed us and made us in his image. It's to defy uh, what we were created to do, right? So, so, in order to love, we have to have the ability to not love. And, and when we choose not to love, then the inevitable consequence. Do you remember when, when Adam and Eve chose to gather not to obey God, not to love God, and ate of the tree of knowledge and good and evil? There was suffering in creation. There was suffering for Adam by the sweat of your brow. Well, you work, right? There was suffering for Eve. There was suffering even for the serpent, right? You'd be crushed under the son of Eve's heel, right? And and so um, suffering is the consequence, the natural consequence of stepping outside of the boundaries that God has set for us. So, so. Let's just recognize right here up front that, that suffering is a consequence of the very gift of the ability to choose, right? We can choose to honor Jesus in a culture that's bent on dishonoring him. But know this, beloved. If you choose to do that, if you choose to honor Jesus in a culture, even one like ours, uh, with relative freedom, if you choose to honor Jesus, that will probably probably mean physical, emotional, and spiritual suffering. Why? Why? Why is that the natural result here? Because we want to know Jesus. Did you hear that in in the Philippian passage? In this 
beautiful expression of Paul's intimacy with God. He cried out, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. And he he described that in in three terms. Some of you discovered this in small groups this week. Uh, in, In terms of the power of his resurrection, I want to know that kind of power that breaks change. I want to know that kind of power that brings healing, blindness, and brokenness. I want to know the kind of power that sets people free. Right? I want to know this about Christ, right? And usually most of us stop right there. But did you see? Did you hear? As, as the scripture was read, right? He also said, I want to know the fellowship that comes from sharing in the sufferings of Christ, right? There is an aspect of God that you will only know through suffering. How many times have we heard some version of the aphorism, right? God whispers in our prosperity, but he speaks loudly in our pain, right? Sometimes the only way we can know intimacy with God is through suffering. I'm thinking of my dear sister uh, Ellen, um, just an amazing um, influence in my life over these last 25 years. She passed away two years ago, almost exactly, and um, she also knew chronic pain all the time. And, and here's the deal. We've discovered before that, that suffering and pain doesn't create um, something in you. It reveals what's in you, right? And so for many, uh, suffering and pain reveals the bitterness, reveals um, the, the brokenness in people. And, and their suffering is increased by their physical emotional or spiritual struggles. But for some, for some in the midst of unbearable physical, emotional, and spiritual pain, suffering actually produces a sweetness, right? It produces a depth of a, a richness in them that that uh, speaks powerfully to the rest of us. And And my sister Ellen was one of those one of those beautiful people. I want to know the fellowship that comes from sharing in his suffering. It's fellowship with other sufferers, but it's also fellowship with God. Do you remember when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were, were cast into the fiery furnace, right? And, and, and Nebuchadnezzar looked into the furnace, and, and now he saw not three people, but four people, Right? Four figures down there. Who was that fourth figure? It was the presence of God with them. It was the presence maybe even of of Jesus himself with them in the midst of it. They experienced the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings and God delivered them. But But also Paul understood something that is going to be important for you and I as well. He understood that that Knowing Christ means becoming like him even in his death. Even in his death. If you want to know Jesus, then you're going to have to identify with him. Even as he knows you and has identified through his incarnation with you, so you will have to identify with him. Jesus himself speaking to his Disciples said, if anyone would come after me, right, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. Luke 9, 23 and 24. Some of you have that on your wrist right now as I speak. Um, wow. Wow. We're going to have to recognize that that we are citizens of a different kingdom, and this world is not our home. And if it, this world should should cause our suffering or even our death, um, God is behind it, right? We can fix our eyes on Jesus, who has gone before us in suffering, who has gone before us even in death, who's gone before us in resurrection and come out on the other side. So suffering um, 
why do we suffer? Because we want to know Jesus. Because we want to be like Jesus. But also suffering does something in us, right? I said earlier it reveals what's already in us, but it does not leave us there. It produces something beautiful in us, right? In Romans 5, verses 2 through 5, Paul writes, We rejoice. We have joy in hope of the glory of God. Remember that last week? Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. I know that this is an astounding thought for you. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, right? And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope, NIV says, does not disappoint. ESV says, does not put us to shame, right? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit he has given us. So don't short-circuit what God is doing through your suffering. Don't short-circuit. Don't bail out when the moment that, that something causes pain. Because God is faithful. If he has entrusted that suffering to you, then he has a purpose for it, right? So let me ask another question. What do we do then when we're entrusted with suffering? What do we do as a result? I want to I just uh, challenge you. Be careful how you think. The word that Paul used in our passage in Philippians was a consider or literally reckon. Reckon, right? Be careful how you think, what you consider, how you balance in your mind or reckon the, the suffering that you're experiencing. And, and Paul gives us a couple of insights on in how we can navigate our way through this. Consider, he says, the worth of Christ in, in verses 7 and 8 of Philippians chapter 3. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider, there it is again, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just remembering testimony of a, a brother in, in Russia who was struggling. Now he would easily, easily offer himself, but now his family was suffering and, and his children were put at risk because of his faith in Christ. And he was, he was struggling. Uh, and I understand this. I understand this. I don't have any problem surrendering my life to Christ, but, but you say surrender my daughter's life to Christ? Surrender my son's life to Christ? Surrender my wife's life to Christ? You see how that's a different question? And, and as he was struggling with that idea, God revealed to him the worthiness of Jesus, right? The worthiness of Jesus. To put, to put this first point um, in a different way, consider the worth of Christ, but, but ask yourself, is Christ worth this? Those of you who are struggling right now, physically, maybe like Tim Hansel, you have... Amazing chronic pain right now. Is Christ worth it? Those of you who have suffered and are grieving the loss of someone very dear to you, is Christ worth it? Those of you who are enduring maybe right now some dark night of the soul and God seems very far away, consider, is Christ worth it, right? Is Christ worth it. Oh, Jesus, thank you that you are worthy of us. Grant us the courage, no matter what our circumstances, to declare with the saints who've gone before, some, many, at great personal cost, you are worthy of it, God. You are worthy of our suffering. So consider, consider, would you, the, the worth of Christ. I think it changes everything. But, but consider also, if it helps you, the worthlessness of the things of this world. We don't have time today, but you could look at the first part of, of 
Philippians chapter 3 as Paul looking back on his past. All the things that he thought were of so much worth. He uses a very strong word here. I'm not going to say it over the internet here. We're going to translate it garbage, but it's a stronger term. He says, I consider those things garbage, right? When he looks back at all the things he thought were so important, he says, oh, I consider that garbage, right? Um, in the middle part of Philippians, he, he discovers the worth of Christ. In the very last part of Philippians chapter 3, he, he declares the future hope that comes as a result so consider the worth of Christ, but consider the worthlessness of all the things. And I know I'm stepping on toes. I'm stepping on my toes of, of financial security, even of relational security, of all those things that we think are so important right now, but really pale in comparison to the worth of Jesus Christ. Lastly, he says, and this is going to be important, for us, consider it all joy. Joy. We've explored together that joy is not a physical thing. Joy is not even an emotional thing based on our circumstances. Happiness might be. But you can have joy even when you're not happy. You can have joy even when you're in physical pain. Choose joy, right? Choose to rejoice. It's a command that Paul says over and over again, especially in this book of Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, he says. Rejoice. Choose joy. Count it all joy. James, who oftentimes has been put in juxtaposition to Paul, Paul often emphasizes grace. James often emphasizes what you do with that grace. James says... Count it all joy. He affirms this, this value. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter trials of various kinds. And, and, and in a very similar way to Paul, expounds on what those trials, what that suffering is producing in you. Choose joy, beloved. No matter what your circumstances right now, choose, even in the midst of your suffering, Oh, I would love it so much if I could say, oh, this is going to end. It's going to be okay, right? But for some of us, uh, it's not going to end until we see Jesus face to face. God has entrusted to us suffering. Let's choose, shall we, to rejoice. Remember Tim? Tim Hansel? 35 years of excruciating pain, right? Tim lost a lot. The, the stress of that, that suffering caused rifts in his marriage, ultimately leading to divorce. It led to other broken relationships with people that he really cared about, with people that cared about him. And, and for most of us, if we were in that similar situation, it would have left nothing but despair, right? But Tim said something, and, and a lot of people have attributed this quote to everybody, Abraham Lincoln, Buddha, everything under the sun. Uh, Tim said something there in his suffering that really spoke to me. Tim said, um, pain is inevitable. And I'll translate that here slightly differently. Suffering is inevitable. Um, God never promised that you wouldn't suffer. In fact, he, he said in the Gospel of John, right, in this world, you will have tribulation. In this world, you will have suffering. But, but be of good cheer. Rejoice, right? Because I've overcome the world, right? Um, pain is inevitable. Suffering is inevitable, right? But misery, Tim says, misery is optional. I think what Tim was doing was affirming what the Apostle Paul was saying. You have a choice, beloved. How are you going to respond to your suffering? How are you going to respond to your pain? Praise God. We were not left alone. Jesus has gone before this in us, and he has shown us how to learn obedience through suffering. He has shown us how to bear up under God's suffering and to become a, a path of life to others 
he has shown us the supreme worth of trusting in the living God. And I just invite you to do that today as well. Pray with me, would you? Oh, God, thank you so much for this great privilege of coming to your word. Thank you that it speaks to us, even in, in, in some way in the midst of the coronavirus crisis, when we've had to deny ourselves, when we've had to take up our cross daily, when we've had to change patterns. God, thank you that your word speaks to us and calls us to a deeper place with you, to a deeper experience of your presence, to a deeper intimacy with you. Oh God, help us to put our trust in you. We thank you, Jesus, that you have gone before. And as we call on your name, you give us everything we need to endure these days. And we love you. Pray your blessing now as we worship you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Our Father everlasting, the all-creating One, God Almighty. Through your Holy Spirit, conceiving Christ the Son, Jesus our Church, I believe in the resurrection.
Well, thank you so much for joining us today. As always, if there's any way that we can serve you, that we can bless your family, we would greatly desire to do that. And we just invite you to call us or text us. Um, Don't forget, you can go on needaneighbor.com and find ways of serving others during this day, during these difficult days. And we will look forward with joy to being together again next week. Peace of Christ be with you. Amen.